Podcast. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, and we're broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. An interesting day in the grain prices once again today. If you look, you know, yesterday we were talking about that 620 mark with the nearby corn. Who would have thought we'd have hit 625 today? We're going to look at what's going on right now in the corn and the beans and also look at what's happening new crop-wise in the trade. Weather, of course, in South America continues to be a hot topic, especially with the month of February just around the corner, and we keep hearing how dry February is supposed to be for them. And then all this tension between Russia and Ukraine, what is that going to mean? As we've seen a lot and heard a lot of discussions on the Main Street news, but it's filtering over to what we see in these markets as well. We're going to get all the details with Jeff Peterson. He's with Heartland Farm Partners. So let's start there. 625 on the nearby corn. How do you think corn and beans are doing today? Well, I tell you what, it was really great to see in the trade. And it's been very, very volatile action. You know, we've had some help from the outside markets you know, with the crude oil market. Uh, but, you know, what was interesting to, t- to see today, Susan, was got a lot of pressure coming out of wheat. You know, we saw some weakness coming um, out of some of the these lower markets out of Europe on the wheat side. But but corn and beans did have a good good run here. And just to kind of size things up here, and as we take a look at the March contract on the future side, and that's what, you know, any of the corn for delivery here for Jan, Feb, March is based off of. It actually set a new high for the move of $6.31 yesterday. And to kind of put that in context, the last time we'd have been higher than this, we'd have to go all the way back to June 10th of last year at 6.33. And then before that, Susan, we'd go back to May 7th where where we're at 640 and a half. So, you know, we're knocking right on the door of those all-time uh, contract highs there in that March contract. And December's not to be, in, um, you know, outdone either. That December corn on the high side hit 573 and a half. That was a new high for the move, but, and also a new contract high for that December of 2022 corn contract. And I'd like to put it kind of in perspective because, you know, we're starting to talk about you know, what were acres going to be as we go forward to next year and, and, and as we look back and see, you know, where was that December 2021 contract last year? And believe it or not, Susan, um, the close was at 445 and a half. So, you know, we're over a dollar 30 higher than where we would have been last year at this time on new crop. And over on the soybean side, soybeans have showed some real strength here lately with some uncertainty on production coming out of South America, March soybeans. For Jan, Feb, or March delivery, you know, that's what the, the futures would be providing the, the, the futures number for those delivery periods. You know, it set a new high for the move, got all the way up to 1433 or 1443 and three quarters. The last time that March contract would have been higher, we'd have had to go all the way back to June 7th of last year where it would have been at 1445 and a half. And then we take a look at the November soybeans. They set a new high for the move and also for the contract at 13.38 and a quarter. Uh, last year at this time, new crop was set at 11.48 and a half. So, boy, these these new crop numbers are really trying to make sure they get acres pulled into corn and soybeans. You know, you haven't said that. Obviously, there's a lot of driving factors that we're seeing both on the nearbys and the new crop for both corn and beans and. In some, can we sum it up to the fact that we've had an interesting growing season in South America and, and dryness here in the States? Yeah, it sure is. And that, uh, you know, that dryness here in the States will get more attention going forward. 
we're not quite ready to start building that into the markets yet, but that will be a bigger factor as we go forward down the road, Susan. And the other factors that you see are going to be driving this market on the short term as, as folks watch those prices continue to tick up? You know, anytime we talk about the, the current market, you know, we, we have to continue to talk about the South American weather. And then more importantly, we have to also introduce into that, you know, what some of the different production estimates are coming out of South America. And then in addition to that, you know, it seems like you know, we're kind of uh, continuing to, to talk about this, but the situation with Russia and Ukraine continues to be on the front of everybody's mind. Well, let's talk about that because we see it every time we turn on the news. We see it, you know, on our social media platforms. How is that relating back to what we're seeing in the grains? And I know the wheat definitely is taking attention. Yeah, it really is. And so as we dig into that situation between Russia and Ukraine and, and we first kind of lay out, you know, why is the market so concerned? I mean, obviously, anytime we have you know, uh, some type of attack or something, uh, our initial feeling would be, is that it probably caused the markets to all kind of pull back a little bit just in regard to a risk-off type trade. But then immediately after everybody kind of gets comfortable with that, they're going to say, you know what, now now where's this grain going to come from? And then we probably see the markets come surging back. But, but kind of here is some key information I think we have to kind of think about in regard to Ukraine. The main reason we get so much talk and concern of that is Ukraine is a major you know, grain exporter. And the big concern there is that if Russia invades, you know, the, the talk would be is that, you know, would those exports be disrupted? Um, up until last year, Ukraine was China's top corn supplier. The U.S. stepped up in that role last year. But if for some reason Ukraine wouldn't be there, then that means other world suppliers are going to have to step up to go ahead and supply those bushels. And the other thing that comes into play there is that we have to watch the Middle East and North Africa really heavily there because they rely so heavily on Ukraine uh, for supplies out of there. So that could open up some other you know, exports coming out of other countries, which in the end could be good for the U.S. Um, to kind of put it in perspective, Ukraine accounts for about 14% of the world's corn and wheat exporters. So, you know, they are a major exporter. To kind of dig in a little deeper on those numbers, Susan, um, Ukraine is the number one exporter of the sunflower oil. Uh, they bounce around about number four on the corn export side, and they're up in the top five on the wheat exports. And the other part of that is that a lot of their grain production is the heaviest production areas in the center and the eastern parts of the country. And those are the areas that uh, we'd be most concerned about with Russia. going to be some interesting times as we continue to move forward. Uh, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we continue on this Wednesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We're going to take a look at what's been happening in South America more with their production. Dryness talked about in the month of February for them. And let's look at what's going to happen when it comes to bean demand with higher prices, corn as well. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Here is another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids featuring another dealer for our network. We're going to visit with Terry Kachera from Bassett, Nebraska. And Terry, tell us a little bit about your dealership and working for Fontenelle. Well, Joe, I've been a dealer for Fontenelle since 1972. During my career as a seed dealer and farmer in Nebraska, I've seen a lot of change. As genetics and technology progress through the years and decades, Fontenelle has always been as progressive as any seed company that I've ever been around. Terry, any 
advice that you've learned through all these years of dealing with Fontenelle? I've always said uh, in farming, you're always going to make mistakes. You know, in most mistakes, you just can't help. You know, it's the weather or machine breakdown or pivot blows over or something like that. Uh, hybrid selection really isn't one that you should have to worry about. And Fontenelle always stands well, always yields well, and is fairly priced. That's Terry Kuchera from Bassett, Nebraska. To learn more about products or to become a dealer, just go to Fontenelle.com. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue to broadcast from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. And Jeff Peterson joins us. He is with Heartland Farm Partners. And interesting because it's it's water cooler talk, I think, wherever you're at, whether it's a commodity person you're talking to or just a, a producer in general, Jeff, they're wondering what is happening with South America, where this crop is, because harvest numbers have been far and few between. I've, we've seen the pictures and the video on social media, but that's been about it to this point. Yeah, it, it really is interesting because, you know, harvest is moving along. It's it's definitely way ahead of last year, probably two, maybe three weeks further ahead than it would have been last year. So they're making progress. You know, in those early harvest results, uh, everybody kind of takes those with a grain of salt. We know some of the numbers on those early results there, like out of Paraná, were very disappointing. But the reason they were even harvesting in that area is because it was just too dry and some of those crops just didn't make it. And as we move on up into Mato Grosso and in that particular area, we'll continue to hear more and more estimates and more and more actual harvest results coming forward. A couple of things that we're seeing on the weather side, you know, overall, I'd say conditions, um, as you look at rains that have fallen across, you know, Argentina, and even there looks like there's going to be some more rains coming into Rio Grande do Sol and Paraná in Brazil. Overall, conditions are probably improving a little bit, but you said something very important there. What the markets really got focused on is what's the conditions going to be like in February, and it does look like we're going to see some dryness coming back as we get into February. Probably the saving thing as we look down into Argentina, though, is it doesn't look like we're going to have as, as warm a temperatures down there but everybody's concerned with the warm temperatures that we have and, and you know, ultimately what's that done to production so far. So let's look at look beyond what's been happening in South America, what's been happening in Russia and Ukraine. Let's talk about the strength that's happening in this crude oil right now and the way it's going to react with this market. Yeah, that's that's been a real help in here. And, and what's interesting, I went back and took a look. And, you know, we're looking at the WTI um, as opposed to the brand. But, you know, you've got that trading up there over uh, $87 a barrel. And if we go back and say, well, when was the last time we saw prices this high? We'd have to go clear back to October of 2014. And so we definitely have got, uh, you know, a situation there where that's that's helping out corn and soybean prices. And if you really kind of dig into it, we'd say, well, what is really going on there? Why are we seeing such strength there? And and part of it gets back to this whole situation with uh, Russia invading Ukraine, uh, some concern out there that the supplies Overall, would tighten up. We continue to to see the the negotiations with Iran in regard to the nuclear deal, and you know whether that's going to be able to be come along and and make any headway or not. Because if there would be some type of agreement on that, that could actually open it up. So re- reduce some sanctions on the oil side, which would bring in some additional Iranian oil. But if it doesn't, that goes ahead and keeps a lot of their oil off the market. You know, here recently, on actually on Monday, there were some threats to the oil infrastructure there in the United Arab Emirates. And, and you know, that was coming from some of the supporters uh, of Iran that supposedly staged that attack. And, uh, attack. and, and you know, the U.S., uh, the, the Patriot missiles were able to knock down most of it 
you know, all of that concern, but, but there's just that concern about that geopolitical risk that's over there. The other thing that's really kind of surprising is that the OPEC uh, plus is, you know, they're struggling. They were supposed to have a 400,000 barrel increase here, you know, on a monthly basis or actually on a daily basis going forward here as we came in, you know, into January and, and they've been struggling to meet that. Some would say that they're actually maybe, oh, 750 to 800,000 barrels below where they're at. And then the other thing here in the U.S., as you take a look at the U.S. oil stocks, you know, we always talk about Cushing, Oklahoma, and actually our, our domestic stocks here in the U.S. on the oil side are the lowest they've been going all the way back to 2012, Susan. Well, there has been some nervousness, though, when you look at these grain prices from a corn and soybean perspective, when you wear the hat of a livestock producer. So having said that, with the demand for corn and soybeans looking right now with these higher prices... Yeah, overall, you know, corn and soybean exports are probably the best way I can put it is they're going along probably good enough. Um, you know, we, we've got some uncertainty on the bean side, whether that export forecast is going to be able to be hit. But we think because of the crop problems that are happening in South America, we could see some demand that could show back up for U.S. exports and maybe later in the summer. One area that we are watching very closely is what's going on with ethanol. Um, one in particular is we take a look at those U.S. ethanol stocks, they're on the rise here. Actually, over the last uh, four weeks, they're up about 18.4%. Now, to kind of put that in perspective, Susan, that's the largest four-week build that we've had going all the way back to 2010. And and actually, the only time stocks have been higher than where they're at right now was between that February and March time frame going back to 2020 when we had some of those challenges with, with ultimately with COVID. So, we we look at the ethanol production. It's been okay, but we are concerned about those building stocks. So we're going to have to keep an eye on that. We we aren't too concerned yet, but we're we're watching that situation very closely, Susan. Well, lots of things that we talked about today, Jeff. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Yeah, give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com where you can click on the sign up now button to get some of our free daily commentary delivered to you by text or email or follow me on Twitter at JeffPeterson01. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.